0: Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker.
1: The list of credits are so long that I don't even know how to start. Well, I do know how to start. I'm going to tell you that Herb Weisbaum has been doing consumer issues for a lot of years, and he is really an expert. His, his handle, Consumer Man, is well-deserved. And beyond that, he is the contributing editor at checkbook.org, which if you don't use checkbook, you should. Herb, it's such an honor to have you on the program. How are things with you?
0: Fine, thank you, Shirley. Nice to talk to you again. For the folks listening, I've known Shirley since she was, what, out of high school or something like that?
1: Oh, probably younger uh- than that. <laughs> <laughs> But we have, and we've worked together, and, and you're, a, you're a great guy, and everybody in the consumer world has such respect for your, Thank you, Uh maybe some of the people that you tackle don't like some of you, but you know what? You fight a good fight. But let's talk about the issues. There are so many issues out there today that we have to deal with, uh, and I, I want to start out with a couple of simple things It won't take us long to cover, but you've recently written about... Uh, digital subscriptions, and also, since we live in a digital world, how to wipe information off of your digital devices before Mm -hmm. you throw them away. So let's talk about the digital subscriptions, because that's a good way for people to save some money in times right now that seem like we need to.
0: Absolutely. People sign up for these subscriptions. In many cases, they take the free trial offer, which is designed to get you to, to sign up, and then you forget about 30 days down the road, you're going to start paying every month and they wind up with all these subscriptions that they, oh, did I have that I didn't realize I had that subscription and it can really add up in some cases to hundreds or maybe even thousands of dollars. So the tip is you've got to go through and maybe do a a little audit of your digital subscriptions and find out how many you have. And you know, a lot of people signed up for streaming video services during the pandemic and now that folks are getting back to living their lives again, they may not be having as much time sitting there in front of the TV and using all those streaming services. You know, you you got CBS All Access to see Star Trek and you got Disney Plus to see The Mandalorian and then you're done the series and then you forgot to cancel and then you get this uh, payment every month. It's automatically billed. Maybe you don't think about it. So you need to go through and I guess the easiest way surely is just take a look at maybe your checkbook, your check register or your credit card statement and look and see what the services are on there that you're paying for every single month. And it's not just streaming video, it's music streaming, I have services. I, I do a, a monthly newsletter. I pay a subscription for the pictures that go in the newsletter. I pay a subscription for the mail service that sends out a newsletter. You may have a subscription to a, a, a register that keeps track of your expenses or something like that. There's a lot of subscriptions. Some people have subscriptions to their cars. You know, you may have the music in your car or some other feature. Cars are now doing subscription services for the uh, super top-of-the-line features. So go through and figure out what you're paying and cancel the ones you don't use anymore
1: you know after i read that herb i went through and looked at some of the ones and i got rid of a couple of things that i was using for streaming that i had signed up for them when they had were introducing some program that i really wanted to binge watch on and did yep. it and then forgot to cancel so yep. thank you herb you saved me some money there too but let's go on and talk about our privacy issue which is all the information that we have on our digital devices how in the world do we get rid of them before we discard them, whether we donate them or however we get rid of them?
0: Sure. And by the way, just one more tip before we move on is if you sign up for something and it's a free 30-day trial, mark it down in your calendar and put it the week before and, and put it there. If I haven't canceled this by next week, I'm going to start paying for this thing. So you don't find yourself in this situation. That's what I do every time I try something out. I put it in my calendar and it's like. Next week, it's either going to be start paying or cancel it. So that's that's the final tip on that one. Um, Absolutely. To, to wipe your data, I mean, people may not realize you know, a lot of stuff is stored in the cloud, but a lot of stuff is still stored on your device, whether it's a laptop, whether it's a cell phone, whether it's a computer, a tablet, whatever. And before you get rid of this thing, whether you're going to recycle it, whether you're going to just uh, give it to Goodwill or, or Salvation Army or something like that, donate it to your school or whatever, uh, or, you know, just get rid of it. You need to get rid of all the data that is being stored on that device. The, the The instructions are maybe a little bit different for every device, but the bottom line is what you have to do is you have to make sure and you do the factory reset. So you set the, uh, the, the device to back to factory reset, which you get everything back to where it was when you first bought the device. And then... If you're uh, got a lot of sensitive stuff on there, you may want to run some programs. There's a bunch of programs you can get, uh, such as Disk Wipe or DBAN. DBAN are both free apps, and they'll destroy whatever data is left on the drive um, because you know you want to make sure there's nothing there. Uh, that's the key. If, if for specific things. And my article on checkbook.org, which is how to wipe your data, has we gave links to for instance. If you have an Apple, you have a Chromebook, you have a PC, you have this cell phone, you have that cell phone, an Android, an Apple. There are specific instructions for every device, and we made it real easy to find that with this story. But if you're not sure, just you know go to the Google, how do I wipe an Android device? How do I wipe an Apple device? Uh, and don't forget smart TVs. You know, a lot of the TVs now store the information, uh, have the information like your credit card or your password to your streaming subscription right there on the TV. And unless you wipe that TV and you decide it's a really good TV, I want to give it to Goodwill, or maybe I'll give it to a friend or something. All that stuff is on there and they can still keep accessing your subscription and and maybe you'll continue to pay for it. So you've got to make sure uh, you do that uh, with the TVs, as well as all these other devices, anything digital, anything that's potentially storing data has got to be treated as if it's a A vault with your stuff in there that you got to make sure you clean out before you give it to somebody.
1: You know, I thought about everything else, Herb, but I hadn't thought about the TVs. You're absolutely right. They've got an awful lot of information on there. Um, But one thing I would say to consumers that I think that you would probably agree with is be very careful if you're going to use an app to wipe the data, that you know the history of that app and that they're not going to be setting themselves up to collect all your data that has got to be a concern to me i'm a little bit of a
0: privacy nut as no you absolutely know. yeah that's and why we recommend want to make sure because yeah. those are two that have been around for a long time just don't yeah. do, you know just don't search wipe my drive or something like that the other thing if you're really as privacy concerned as you are and i am too as a matter of fact um it's it's a real fun thing to take the hard drive and if it's something that's only going to be recycled it can't be used again i would go in and i take the hard drive out of my desktop my uh, cpu and I take it downstairs, and I get a sledgehammer, and I pound the daylights out of it, and then I uh, drill a couple of holes through it with a drill, and then I stick it in salty water for a month. Nobody's going to access anything off of that, and it's really cathartic. You can take all the – you know, people go to these smash-it rooms. I just do it with my, with my, uh, my CPU, uh, my, my desktop. I just take the hard drive out and do it. It's really fun.
1: Herb, do you want people to send you their hard drives?
0: Well,
1: <laughs> that's no, hysterical. No, I, don't, I, no, I it. Take
0: the video of it. I did a story of, uh, for the local TV station here. I got more response. People thought that was the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. They saw me with a hatchet and a sledgehammer pounding. this oh, thing. Yeah. That, that's a great idea.
1: Take out all of your aggressions on that instead of Correct. on somebody else. Okay. Correct. We're gonna we're gonna take a brief pause here to let our listeners know they're tuned into of consuming interest here on the Federal News Network. I'm talking with Herb Weisbaum today. His handle is Consumer Man, which he well deserves. But he's also a contributing editor at checkbook.org. And if you don't get Checkbook, you really should. It is my Bible. Herb, you and I discussed this before we went on the air. It's a wonderful publication, unbiased opinions that are only done by people who subscribe to Checkbook. And so it's, it's really a great book
0: thank Um, you yes it's uh, it's very different than a lot of other people you know who uh, these services they get paid to list the uh, contractors up top or whatever ours is based on their facts and not there's no money involved whatsoever
1: I will tell you I have never been disappointed so thank
0: you uh,
1: and I've written reviews and if somebody does a good job I write a review of them
0: yeah, that's what I do to too. Absolutely. That's how we get that information. Yep.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. We've taken care of the fun stuff. Now let's get down to some <laughs> of the things that we don't like, but is there, provides a service, but there's some contemplated changes. Mm-hmm. And I know we've heard from consumers who complain about it too overdraft fees mm-hmm. and banks. Explain to our listeners what we're talking about when we talk about overdraft fees.
0: Sure. Uh, Overdraft fees uh, have been going up over the years, uh, settled in somewhere around, uh, oh, $26 to is about an average. But in some institutions, it's $35. You write a check and uh, you, you didn't have the money in your account. So they ding your account uh, for that overdraft fee. In some institutions, they actually will ding it multiple times if someone tries to deposit the check a couple of times. So this could be something ongoing, not just a, a one-shot deal. And the banks have always said that the cost of, of the charge, this fee, was not punitive. It was to cover their costs of handling the transaction, of processing this, and doing the whole routine. Well, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which, as you know, surely is one of the greatest uh, consumer protection agencies that uh, Congress ever created, Uh, wanted to limit how much financial institutions could charge for their overdraft protection plans. And they did about a two-year market survey to see what the uh, market is and got information. They required the banks, requested the banks to provide them with the information on what it really costs for them to do this, and then proposed a rule back in January, not all that long ago, that would cap overdraft fees to, in some cases, just $3. That's That's a big difference. And what they basically said to the banks is it's not costing you this 26 or $35 to handle this transaction. It's basically costing you about $8 on average, and in some cases a whole lot less than that. And we want you to stop dinging people uh, for doing this service that doesn't cost you as much as you say it, it did. And I just think that's great. I just think that's a really you – know, a lot of people who are on the edge, living paycheck to paycheck, and they they're trying to time it and hope the money gets in or whatever. They're forced sometimes to overdraw and they get clobbered with these penalties. Uh, it's a big source of revenue for the banks, according to the CFPB data. Uh, it generated two hundred eighty billion dollars for them since two thousand, and just nine and nearly nine billion just in twenty twenty two alone. So this is a big revenue stream for the financial institutions, and the banks are not going to be able to do that uh, with this rule when it takes effect.
1: Well, I certainly can understand that, but but the overdraft protection is something that I think is of value, great value to consumers, because if suddenly you find yourself or a deposit didn't make it to your account, and you were depending on that check being deposited or transfer being deposited, then you, you may be finding yourself writing a check that doesn't clear. Now, as I understand it, the overdraft fees are not based on how much you use or how often you use it or anything like that. It's just a fee that the bank sets. Is that, is that fair?
0: Basically, it's the same fee. That is correct.
1: So the fee, you don't have to, you don't
0: have to have that program. You can set up a situation where you have your savings account linked to your checking account. And if you're going to overdraw, the money is automatically transferred so you don't overdraw. Those programs are much less expensive than paying the $26 to $35 a clip number one. And the problem we found is that a lot of people, when they got their debit cards, signed up for overdraft protection because it sounds really wonderful. I won't overdraw. Well, everybody says the reason why they get a debit card is so they can't spend more money than they have. So if you go to a store and you put your debit card in and you don't have enough money to pay for that $4 latte and you get dinged the fee, that $4 latte is now $30. Most people when surveys are done said that's not the way they want it to work, but that's the way it is working. And they don't understand that. So you've got to find out if you have a debit card, what is the, what program did I sign up for? If I go buy a latte and I don't have the money in the account, am I going to get, is it going to be declined, which is what most people say they want to have happen with a debit card so they don't spend money they don't have, which is why you have a credit card to do that, or am I going to get dinged an overdraft fee? That's one of the big problem areas that people don't understand what program they signed up for when they got their debit card. The final well, point is- that is a thing- great question.
1: I'm sorry. It, that is a no. great question to ask when you're signing no. up for a debit card that I don't want it, make sure that that's very clear because I would think it's to the bank's advantage to have you sign up for the overdraft protection.
0: Right. And um, they don't have to sign up. Go now. The next time you're at the bank or call your bank, and say, What's on my card? What happens if I make a $4 purchase and I don't have the money in my account? Am I going to get paid uh, yeah. a fee or is it going to be rejected? And if you don't like the answer, change it. The other thing is, a lot of banks, because Congress is looking into this, the regulatory agencies are looking into this. Uh, and even though the bankers think this is a terrible rule and it's going to Uh, drive competition down and it's going to hurt the banks and not uh, get the service that people want. They're very upset about this. A number of big banks have already made the change. They've seen the handwriting on the wall. Capital One has eliminated all its overdraft fees Uh, for those who enroll in its no overdraft service. It will actually authorize payments or overdrafts at its discretion, which means if they think it's something important like your rent, chances are they're going to let that go through. Bank of America has dropped its charge from $35 to $10. Wells Fargo gives account holders a 24-hour grace period before charging an overdraft chase doesn't charge customers it's 34 dollar overdraft fee if they've overdrawn 50 bucks or less at the end of the business day and so this is a this it doesn't have to be the way it is is the point i'm trying to make the banks could do a lot more to truly provide customer service uh, for their customers without digging in these huge amounts of money the federal regulators are saying we're going to make you do that and i think a lot of banks are doing it now because they just see the the handwriting on the wall where we are as far as these junk fees that the biden administration has targeted because it really does add up in the course of a year to hundreds or thousands of dollars
1: you know and and i i think they're to be applauded to herb and i think they'll get recognition from the people that the banks the their customers who are going to be very pleased with this kind of service and the fact that we're not going to have to worry about such huge overdraft fees and the point you made too that if a check is bounced once and then bounced again i mean people are going to get two overdraft fees and they may not even know it's happened unless they're online checking their accounts Correct. so this is uh, this is something that does does need looking at and it's a really good thing to put some kind of limits on there but then consumers also. On the flip side of this, Herb, you know me, I believe in responsibility. Consumers have got to take responsibility for what they're doing and understand what their balances are. So you got to keep up that checkbook. You got to go online and do all those things. Anyway, that's enough of my yep. lecture. Let's Absolutely. just let's just take a brief pause here to let our listeners know they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest right here on the Federal News Network. My guest today is Herb Weisbaum. Who is a contributing editor at checkbook.org? He's also known as the consumer man. He's been a, a friend and, and a colleague for a number of years, as she said at the beginning, longer than I want to talk about. At any rate, we have a lot of other stuff to move on to. Um, and one of the things that people start looking for is a way to get exercise. Now, mm-hmm gyms have been under fire for a number of years for some of the policies they used to have some of them have been changed there have been regulations put in effect to help and protect consumers but where are we on the gym front herb what are you seeing and what do consumers need to be aware of because frankly a lot of people like to go to a gym i know my son is an avid gym goer he he says that the camaraderie there you get people it it motivates you to work harder and so on so what do we need to look at if we want to go to a gym
0: well first of all you have to realize that every gym does not charge the same price for the same services we compared the pricing of local gyms and there was a huge difference for the same kind type of gym So first of all, if there are several in your area, you might want to be sure to shop around and check them out. Number one, we say, first of all, you you don't have to go to a gym to exercise. There are a lot of things you can do, but as you said, some people really like to go there. So if that's you, figure out what kind of gym you want. You know, your son may want want a, a muscle gym where you really work out and it's serious business. Some people want more of a social atmosphere, sort of a health club kind of atmosphere, some people, let's be honest, go there because it's a pickup joint. So you got to figure out what you're looking for. If you're if you have kids, some places now have daycare for the kids or to take care of the kids while you're working out. So you've got to figure out what you want and what you're looking for, and then go to the gym and and try a couple of them out. And a lot of cases they will have now free memberships for a trial period or a, a week or two membership where you can go there and try it out. Try it out when you would normally go because you want to see things like how busy it is. Can I get on the equipment? The complaints we get are cleanliness and equipment. So you want to check out how clean is the place, especially the locker rooms, and does the equipment work? A lot of broken equipment. If you can't get on the equipment, if it's not working, that's probably not a place for you. If you're going to take courses, take a couple of courses. Do you like the instructors? Do you like how they're teaching you? Figure that kind of thing out. And then the sales pitches are still you know, they're trying to sell you something. Some of the laws and the rules, as you said, have limited what they can do. But we find that especially at the beginning of the year, when most people are signing up, they run these really big sales to try to get you to sign for a year contract. And Beware that in some cases that really super-duper sale price, as with many other purchases we make these days, really isn't that great a price. So don't let somebody tell you, you know, if you walk out the door today, you're going to miss the 60% off sale because odds are if you walk out the door today, you're not going to miss that sale. Try to sign up for as short a term as possible if you can to see if you really like the place. Gyms, believe it or not, their marketing... Uh, the way they do business is they get a lot of people to sign up, and after a month or two, a lot of those people aren't there anymore, but they still keep paying their their monthly dues. So that's just a reality of life. So are you going to continue to come? And if I get like those subscription services we talked about, Sally, you know, you're paying, but you're not going because you say to yourself, well, if I keep paying, sooner or later I'm going to force myself to go. Just doesn't doesn't work that way. And so don't go for the high pressure. And then finally, a lot of places want to automatically bill your credit card. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody dipping in. Uh, excuse me. Automatically bill your checking account. I don't like people dipping into my checking account. I just don't like that. So if you if you're going to pay automatically, put it on a credit card. I would not let them go into your bank account because over the years of my consumer reporting, and you probably heard it for call for action, people say I canceled the gym three months ago, and they're still taking money out of my checking account.
1: Well, not only that, it's much harder to contest it. If you put it on your credit card, you have a period. There's some very good rules about how you can protect your your account and so on. One of the other things that I tell Herb, the people, Herb, and and really the friendliness of the gym is one thing, and the cleanliness is extremely important, Mm -hmm. but also how crowded is it? at the hours you're going to use it. And I Mm -hmm. always say, if you're going to go there at five o'clock every day, six o'clock early in the morning, whatever, go there, go there several days during on different days during a week to see how many people are you going to be competing with for maybe one machine. So Mm -hmm. to me, that's one of the biggest complaints that I hear from my friends. Well, I got there and it was so crowded. I turned around and left. You know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be in that situation. So Um, we've only got a couple of more minutes here. Can't believe it. Time's flying, but (laughs) any other thoughts on the gyms?
0: Well, the one thing that I found in my personal life is that a lot of people make excuses for not going to the gym. And I found that a, if you schedule it, that you put it as part of your routine schedule, like you'd put down your kids' piano lessons or you'd put down the lunch date for work, put down the exercise, whether it's in the morning first thing or in the afternoon during lunch break or the evening when you're done work and try to go with some people. I found that on the days when I was really tired at the end of a day and I didn't want to go, but the whole gang is standing there around my desk at work with a gym bag all right i'll come and i was glad i did it so i think that's that's something that's going to work for a lot of people is if you can team up and be with some other people they sort of uh, you know encourage you uh, to go and that's that's a real good thing final thing is you know you may not have to pay for the gym find out if there's some option maybe your employer uh, my employer actually paid for a couple of gyms near the near the work and or play play part of pay part of it so there may be a way that your employer pays part of it some insurance companies now are helping people uh, uh, health insurance uh, with uh, paying gyms, uh, the Medicare Advantage policy holders, You may have some kind of money or some kind of policy, silver sneakers or whatever, that gets you access to a Y or a gym or something like that. So find out if there's a free program. And again, I can't stress strongly enough, request a guest pass. Try out the club you're thinking. Don't let them get you into any long-term contract before you really find out that that's the place for you and that's where you want to go.
1: You know, there are so many ways that we can save money if we just take a little bit of time and sit down and think about it. You've certainly pointed us in the direction of a number of those, Herb. Uh, and I know that you, you find ways and you, you write some great columns. So people can go to checkbook.org to find your stuff that you do for them. And then your consumer site is consumer man, it is.
0: Consumerman.com. You can go there. All it has is all of my checkbook stories and my checkbook podcast the consumerpedia podcast where if you're interested about the uh, gym we have a whole podcast about choosing a gym consumerpedia.org and when you go to my site consumerman.com it'll say you want to sign up for herb's free newsletter and you'll hear from me every week we don't share the list with anybody sell it with anybody it's between you me and my dog and you will uh, get a letter from me every week saying here's the latest consumer news you can keep up to date on what's going on
1: Thank you so much, Herb. It's been an absolute treat to have you on Of Consuming Interest. You've been listening to with Herb Weisbaum, the contributing editor at checkbook.org. I'm Shirley Rooker, and we really thank you for joining us today.
0: Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP.